Hi guys, it's Bayo here. And thanks ever so much for coming back for part two of our exclusive Backstreet Boys interview with Christina Horogu. As you know, last time we got up to her stunning world championship victory. And this time we're coming back with a little competition you might remember, the 2008 Olympic Games. Now, as I was saying, I think a lot of the, not just the public, but I think probably the journalists as well, mm. began to change when you were in 2008. Because you, you backed it up. It wasn't like some fluky event after you'd come yeah. um, after the suspension from 2006 and yeah. 2007. 2008, the biggest stage in sport. Yeah. And you came out and you became the Olympic champion. Yeah, that was fun. I, I liked... You said that so casually. No, you? no, no. no. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, um, it was a very determined... Um, championship was a, it was very 2007 I set the, the benchmark is like you know Lloyd and I were thinking well you've been out for a year you've had what, one race and you can run that three rounds focused effort you can do it off of being out for a year no races Chris no races so um, so then that set the benchmark but it wasn't really for us to go too crazy I think sometimes you can um, overcook things so I think it was weird for us because it came. T- even though you can say you're gonna, you say you're gonna do something, it still comes as a shock when you actually do it. <laughs> yeah. and I think Lord is shocked. Lord is like, bro, I've got a world champion on my hands. I've become a world champion and a world champion. Um, I think he was a bit shocked as well. But I think 2008 was great because we didn't really change anything. We just thought, let's just carry on what we've been doing. Let's not get to uppity, get to above ourselves. Um, there's, there's still a lot of noise swirling around, so we had to still try and keep our head down and work. Um, but I knew that Beijing, uh, bearing in mind Athens was a good taster for me. And I said, well, I, I came to missed out the final. So definitely in Beijing, knowing that I'm world champion now, after having not competed for a year, what can I do if I get my game organised a little bit earlier? And so that was, so Beijing was very, very focused. I knew I was going into medals. So people talk about how great Beijing was. I didn't really see anything. I didn't hear anything. I was just there to train. I didn't go to the opening ceremony. I didn't go to the closing. I was literally just there to, I, you know, <laughs> I was there. And remember, Sanya Richards was running well as well. So we had loads of competition in the fall. So I wasn't, again, I wasn't just there just to, you know, be a backup for Sonia. <laughs> well, I was going to ask that because although you were the reigning champion in 2007, not mm-hmm. the reigning champion, you were the world champion in 2007, mm-hmm. you probably didn't go into the Olympics as, as the favourite. No. Thank you, bookies, once again. <laughs> <laughs> My brother, he won so much money on you. I remember when, when, you, when you won, he did an involuntary forward roll, like a roly-poly in the living room because he was so excited. <laughs> I'm glad he was happy. <laughs> but... Um, you didn't want to go into the favourite because on the um, Grand Prix circuit, mm. Sanya Richards, who she had probably been up. the world number one like two, yeah, three years in a row, yeah. she was just banging out those she like, was impressive. 49s. She was impressive. So did you go in confident you were still going to win? Um, I had to. I had to. And my, one of my, my, my sayings is, listen, you have to back yourself. You have to. Because if you're not going to back yourself, who would you expect to back you? And I know, I know how hard I worked. I know that um, it was going to be a tough ask, but I remember I remember being in the call room um, for the final. I remember, and I remember Sanya looking at Sanya because in the call room, like I don't know if you had a chance to go to a call room. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wouldn't let me in. <laughs> and um, it's one of the most surreal places you can find yourself because you have you have so much talent in 
such a small confined mm. space and you will have it's such a mix of emotions to have people who are in one room one really really confined space but the energy is just it's such high energy but doesn't look like it is I don't know and I'm not saying it, but it's, you can always tell when you the air changes and I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say and for me in the call room I feel every weight of it I am you know I, I get very nervous but I remember being in the call room then thinking watching Sanya who was very very relaxed she was almost um, peacock-esque just mm. kind of prancing around you could tell she was really relaxed I remember thinking, you know what, I'm going to beat you today. <laughs> I don't know what made me say that, but as a, again, like I said before, when you say it, it becomes you. I remember saying that, thinking, nah, man, nah, I'm sorry. It's I'm not come here just to be a backup dancer. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be Beyonce, you want to be Kelly. You? <laughs> the, um, it's interesting you say that because um, you had very, very contrasting styles. You know, yeah, and yeah, Sanya yeah. would bang out these 49s all season mm-hmm. um, she would go out hard yeah. you I don't think you ever went sub 50 not to the championships I think that's correct no I've um, never <laughs> in the finals and we would always watch you you know getting better and better as the season went on yeah. you always seem kind of very confident in your own, own abilities uh-huh. um, but that's almost completely different to the way that Sanya uh-huh. would run races it also made it particularly exciting for us because mm. She would go out hard. We knew you were going to come on strong at the end. Yeah. So um, I have a question here from um, W. Murray 1077. He says, I'd be keen to get Christian's thoughts on an athlete who trained for the champs to peak regularly, mid-49s like yourself, mm-hmm. um, on some of her contemporaries who were churning out six to seven runs in the, um, in the Grand Prix season but seemed to struggle at championships. Um, do you see the latter as being a realistic for a 400-metre runner? Now, Sanya, she did come good at championships. Mm-hmm. You actually have a better championship record than her. But it wasn't just Sanya, there was lots of other sort of Americans as well who would, early in the season, run those really fast times yeah. and maybe not um, do so at the, at the champs. Mm-hmm. That was never really a possibility for you. No, I think you have to also remember that you're having two very, very different approaches um, either side of the pond. Yeah. You have these guys are based off the collegiate system, so they're used to running yeah. ragged every year. They're used to that. Their bodies are tuned. That's maybe the only way they can feel they can get into shape is to run early and run right through. So we don't have that kind of pressure pressure thing. We don't, but we don't have that system where you have to run from March. They're used to that. Their bodies are trained. So I'm sure for a lot of them, that's routine. And if they were to change it, what would they change it to? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they also have the trials, of course, which you have to get through. And they have the trials, which, which are do. pretty <laughs> robust. <Yes. laughs> um, so it's very, very different. And I think you have... It's, it's not for me to say which one works better than the other. Because at the end of the day, when you get to the championship, that's where it's, everything starts from scratch. And, and I think you have to bear that in mind. If you're going to run all year, are you certain you can get to the championship still in peak conditions yeah. and that's you have to decide that no one else can tell you that you yourself know you yourself know if you're tired if you're mentally flat also you've got to take into account the fact that all these races if they're not going to go according to plan how mentally are you going to deal with that can you deal with the fact that you're going to be on the back foot going into a championship mm. maybe not getting a result you want to go into a championship a lot of it I think is just playing with your mental ability to deal with the season and I think for me it wasn't I didn't have to build confidence in myself mentally I, you know, I, um, training was always a really good indicator of where I'm at. I'm very, very good at training well. <laughs> I'm very, very good at training well. Um, Lloyd has a very good eye. I think Lloyd is one of those very intuitive 
you know, coaching is an art. It's an art form. He doesn't need to have gadgets and gadgets to know what's going on. He can. He just has his eyes, and what he's looking at when he watches me, he's looking at. <clears throat> sorry, he's comparing with other athletes. You know, he'll watch. He's very good friends with all the coaches. We all know little talks to everyone, <laughs> but he's very good friends with all the other coaches. So he knows what to look for. So that's why we've trusted him. And if he says, Chris, you don't need to race as much. I know what I'm seeing at training. I know who you are as a person. So I know that you will do X, Y, Z. So I think it's, it's, it's not a question of one size fits all. I think you have to know how your style is, what your style is. And you have to know what you can realistically, honestly do when you get to the championship. You only you can say that. Some people might get to a championship and they feel tired and burnt out. But you, only you can know that. So... I worked. I managed to find a style that was very, very good for me. I also, I think, going back to Athens, and I like using Athens as a reference point because there was a baptism of fire, and that taught me that you know, um, doesn't matter what happens. What matters is what happens at a championship. The championship is like your exam, yeah. so everything is preparing you for this exam. So that's how I turned up in a sport. You have everything else, but then you have the exam. You have to be completely ready for this exam. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point of doing all this good work if you get to your exam and you're tired or you've forgotten a question or forgotten an answer? Do you understand? You have to make sure you have all your ducks lined up for this big exam. And that's kind of how I always trained. So I wasn't probably always as keyed up as a beginning as you, you, know, you wouldn't be. You haven't got your revision in. But I knew that as time gone on and went on, um, that I know that I'm, I'm a, I learn and I retain information very well. I know that come to what, you know, where I need to be, I'll be fine. I think what was for us fans what was so great was that contrast you know the fact that <laughs> good for you guys <laughs> yeah, no but it, it just made it, made it made for really good sport yeah know? of course it made for really course, good sport yeah. you have these two great champions yeah, and I didn't really worry about Sam Mueller that's the thing I'm, it's funny because now I probably would worry a lot <laughs> but I suppose I mean I'm happy because I, I, I can it's a good reminder for myself that you can be in those situations and you can operate effectively despite all all the uncertainty you can still be very very clear about what you need to get done yeah. despite the opponents being very very good um, so I need to remind myself of that sometimes <laughs> so 2009 it's, you'd won Commonwealth you'd won the World you'd yeah. won the Olympics coming into 2009 in Berlin um, you didn't do badly you can fifth no. in the championships but it wasn't a great year overall no it wasn't I don't really like so much 2009 <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was um, it's just a really annoying year those are kind of personal issues as well which I'm not going to go into. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> um, but you know what? Despite that, I'm, yeah, I got into just before the the, um, um, the champs. I remember I'm, I'm going to my wonderful physio Matt Lancaster. Um, he got me up and running. Just like literally, we 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 um, he timed it to the wire, and and I was able to run fifty point two off of the work that he, you know he did. He got me up and running. So. Um, I just think it's a real testament to the people that I had on my team. And it wasn't a result, but I just think maybe that was a time for me to kind of step down to step back up. Yeah. I think it does take its toll. I think I had a good time following the games. I was busy a lot. It was nice, but it does take its toll. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a vintage year. Yeah, yeah. it does take um, its toll. And 2010 was a almost... 2010, year, I ruptured my, yeah, my rep foam. I think it was just to date my worst injury. And that took me a year to um, to get over. Uh, I thought it would take, you know, I thought I was cleverer than the doctors. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, what do you mean take a year? You don't even know who I am. I heal quickly. So I kept running on it. 
running and actually I think it took longer than a year because I kept retiring the muscle I decided not to listen so listen to your doctors guys <laughs> yeah um, and that was a, that was a tough one because I would have liked to have gone to the Commonwealth Games um, but yeah it's just I think some things you just have to just leave it alone yeah, you sure. can't keep trying to force things to make them work well often I think when an athlete does get injured sometimes it not for the best but like sometimes you maybe just need you just a take break, it as you know? it is take I mean it's never no one ever wants to say I enjoy being injured but you just take it if you're yeah. hurt the body's you know your body's not happy so just sort yourself out and your time if you're determined enough your time will come around another time so we move to 2011, which is a, another year that maybe didn't, I keep laughing didn't quite at these, go to plan. I keep laughing at these miserable points. <laughs> it's not actually funny. All I'm going to ask is, what on earth happened? I don't know. I don't know. For those that don't know, you, you, you full started. Yeah. Full started at the and end. And I forced, I'm, I don't start. <laughs> I'm literally, I always have the worst reaction time, but I don't know. Even all these years later, you still can't... I think I heard something. Do you know, it kind of reminded me of when I'm at training and and you're at the line ready to go and then you kind of say, no, hold on, wait, 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 let me just start. I think one of the moments where it's almost, I not forgot where I was, but I wasn't ready, but I went and I wanted to start again, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But um, it was a clear, it was a clear, it wasn't a drop, it was a clear, I'm leaving the blocks to start my race. (laughs) It wasn't, you know, a twitch or... A four. I literally was uh, ready to start running. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the start. The thing wasn't. is, something was. Um, I know I heard a bang somewhere, but the thing is, I can't because I know th- th- they said that the um, the, the the discus hit the cage. Right. But I, I just, I, I don't know. Just one of the. Do you know when you're just not settled? Maybe I just wasn't settled and mentally wasn't settled. I don't know. But that was an odd year. Um, but you were in good company because Usain Bolt did the exact same thing. I know, thing do you know what chance. happened? I full started and I was stupid, stupid girl, school girl, era, blah, 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 blah. When he full started, it was like, oh, we have to change the rules. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. How can, you know, we can't have this happen. Yeah, I was a stupid school girl, you know. All right. <laughs> they, did All right. That, they did that quite a lot, changing the rules for Usain Bolt. I yeah. I just said, like, guys, please stop this. <laughs> Right, let's forget 2011. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move on, to, move on to, to 2012, which um, mm. was a, a much better year in, in all um, um, all capacities. Mm. It started out very well at the World Indoors, which oh, is, that is in, so in East, Istanbul, fun. that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, where we won so one of the fun. greatest races ever. I must have watched it 50 times <laughs> on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, that's I'm the, talking yeah. about the World Indoor um, <laughs> relay. Yeah, that's where a lot of fun. We won the gold medal, mm. uh, sort of shockingly, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, That's my voice. You, I've I'm never just... seen you. I've been watching so many Christian Hogu um, videos over the last week preparing for this. <laughs> Not a single one were you as excited as you were winning the gold medal at the, the, the relay at the European That was Gold. so much fun. Oh, we had so much fun. And yeah, I remember Perry was just wired the whole time. Yeah, it was great. We had so much fun. <laughs> it was such a great race, and you ran a blinding leg. I mean, yeah. what's so great in that, that, that final leg is there's so much stuff going on, you know. Uh, Sanya gets he it wrong. Screamed. Fagida gets in the way. It's, it's so great. Screamed. My voice, I was hoarse after that, like I am now. <laughs> <laughs> the Olympics was yeah. basically your home track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? Um, really you were the reigning champion. Yeah. You hadn't had a great few years coming. No, my last good time was like. Uh, 2008 
That was the last good performance. <laughs> well, t- 2009. Yeah, I mean, you'd run decent times, but you hadn't yeah. had a really great performance. So going in, where was, what's your frame of mind? What were you thinking to do Okay, that um, I started working with a really good sports psychologist, and um, he got me in back to where I could actually have some self-belief in myself. I think 2011 was horrifying for me. Not just because I thought started, but the fact that I it was a year out from the games and I needed to try and test this new format. The new format was the three days on. Remember, I'd been used to running two days and then day off. Yeah. And I just thought, I was just panicking that I'm, I'm going to be tired. I need to learn how to run three days on and make sure that you know, I get all the recovery stuff right and all this. So that's why 2011 was really, really upsetting for me. I didn't get a chance to have a dry run. What you know before what was going to be probably the biggest races of my life. Going to 2012, I hadn't run properly in ages. <laughs> I'd been injured, so. Um, but you know what? If, all that being said, I I don't think um, I wasn't really too concerned. I was still in my head. I was going to medal. <laughs> yeah, because well, you were reigning champion. Yeah. it's literally around the corner from your mm. your house. Did you feel that added pressure because of that? No, no, that's great. No, I remember. Um, Nobody bothered to look at me anyway. As always, I'm not never the one to watch. <laughs> no one really, you know, um, maybe spat in my direction, so it was fine. Um, but no, it was the thing is, 2012 wasn't for like sports fans, it was for me and my family. Right, my family yeah, walked yeah. to the stadium. Um, that was where I grew up. Remember, I, I probably, of all the athletes in the entire athletics, Existence. I could be the only athlete that had the claims to Stratford. You know, I can't imagine any other anyone else kind of being born and raised in Stratford. You know, I literally, you know, I, my family home is still a mile from the from the stadium. Um, all the the drives I've done, all the drives so many times I walked. I, you know, I know the area very well. So it wasn't really for. It was just for myself and my family and the area East London. I was very proud of. Um, what Stratford were able to well, not Stratford <laughs> not just Stratford but I was very proud of what you know the local area were able to do and I was really just proud to have people come to my home so it's weird I don't tend to carry around a lot of baggage in terms of track like once it's done it's done so I wasn't carrying a baggage of okay I haven't raced in how many years I mean full started last year for me it was a fresh a fresh slate we're just going to go and see what we can get done and it's it's quite um it's quite audacious actually. Sometimes I look back and I think I don't know where I get all this confidence from <laughs> to just walk in there and think right I'm going to I'm going to meddle I'm going to you know but it's good. I'm, I mean I'm, as I said before I'm happy that I'm reminded of these things because I do need that. <laughs> I need to be reminded of that you know you could do these amazing things even though you didn't have the evidence that you could do them. I just kick my head down and I just work. And it's great having Lloyd because Lloyd was literally pushing me the whole way. And he never allowed me to ever stop and feel sorry for myself. He never allowed me to stop and say, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. I got, you know, disqualified last year. I had last 49 around was 2008. He never allowed me to sit down and feel sorry for myself. He's like, end of the day, it's a new day. We do what we need to do today. And then we leave the rest alone. And that was good. I think um, that was quite an important... Um, that's quite an important resource to have. Just have someone who just keeps you looking forward and not backwards. And not looking at what your peers are doing. Just someone just says, right, this is where we're going. And we have to keep pushing regardless of whatever happened. The fact that you didn't run, a, you know. And I think I, I 
went into the games running like 50.8 again was it 50 point oh we stuck in 50.8 <laughs> but even even though that was happening I remember you know Lloyd was happy I was happy and Lloyd was like you know Chris I like what I see there's some potential I can see some promise we're good to go um, you won the silver medal yes. in a really great race as yeah. we said um, at the time I remember reading something you weren't that happy with the silver no was I wasn't true? and it's weird because I'm actually quite annoyed that I felt like that but I suppose at the heat, in the heat of the moment, and I and I desperately was going for gold. I was. I wanted to win the gold. So at that moment in time, anything less than gold isn't good enough. But I understand why I was. I reacted like that because I I poured everything into in you know as, as I mean not everybody does. I'm not trying to say I was any different in that respect. But um, I just think, and also that race. I know. I remember. I do you know. I woke up during a race and then when I say I woke right. up I was like during a race you're supposed to be completely you're literally like just running under the cover of consciousness you're not quite conscious you're you're just on autopilot and I remember there's one bit I kind of just um, it kind of hit me that run at the Olympics I think it's just coming into the home track and it's funny because Lloyd says he sees the race and it's Chris you stopped running and I think at that moment it kind of hit me that this is it this is, this is what we've been working for, obviously I'm not thinking all these things but that was just a feeling I got like a bit of fear and I kind of think if I hadn't have done that um, you know it would have been a bit closer I probably could have challenged a bit more but at the same time um, you know I'm happy for Sanya I am happy and I know how much that meant for her I know she was running scared <laughs> I know and I you know I do like Sanya I've always um, had a lot of respect for you know Sanya I've had mad respect for her um, she always brought glamour to the sport um, <laughs> So, you know, I am, I, am, I, am, I am happy that even though it wasn't a gold, I finished behind a really great athlete. And even though, um, again, it wasn't gold, um, I was still able to medal four years on from, from Beijing. So. And very few people do that, you know. It's hard to back do. And a silver afterwards <laughs> yeah. is, is fantastic. It's hard um, to do that. And it's 400, especially with 400 with the competition yeah. that we have. And it does feel right, you know, much as we would have preferred mm-hmm. you won, it does feel right that Sandy Richards had exactly. the Exactly. And you never take a win from anyone. You never. That's so one thing I've always said I'll, do, I'll never do in track. I'll never take anyone's medal away from them. I'll never, you know, because I know how hard. We all know what that means to get there. And that just sense of relief. <laughs> when you've got it it doesn't matter who that person is you'll never take a win or a performance away from anyone because we all know especially 400 we know that the blood sweat and tears that have gone into performing um, slightly nerdy question now from okay. all us uh, trap nerds yeah. I wondered if yes. in, in the first round you yes. are running easily um, quite in the lead you slide just slightly on the line as people do yeah. and um, Christi- um, Francine McCrory yeah, yeah, yeah. that means yeah. in the second round you get Sanya Mm-hmm. who beats you which means you get a lane outside of her in the final yeah I got lane 8 yeah. um, now do you think would you if you when running because you, you have that style where you sort of come on late yeah are you cli- are you solely running your own race or are you better in being eight. inside of someone okay so the plan for uh, the final uh, Lloyd said just McCrory's going to go out just run with McCrory <laughs> As the instructor, I said, fine. Um, it's always hard being in lane eight because um, you don't see anything. But at the same time, I think the problem with athletes, you kind of get stuck in your comfort zone. Yeah. I like to be inside this person. I like to be in that, you know, outside that person. But you never know where the guy is going to fall. Um, you know, I go on from lane eight. You just never know. So I never try to get too... Um, 
set on which way I like to run. Obviously, certain styles match certain yeah. lanes, but you kind of just put that at the back of your mind and just say, you know, whatever happens, I will just try and follow through my race plan. In that particular race, would you have preferred to be inside of Sanya? Well, I've retired now, so I can say, yeah, I always prefer to be inside. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder, because you, you it, the... the, the, the Hundredth of a second between you yeah. winning on I, so then I would have, I would have potentially I had repercussions. Yeah, I would have forward. caught it a lot earlier. Yeah, but I think even so, uh, Francina did a good job of getting me round the top bend. So and and it is hard because when you do come onto the straight, then you realise, okay, I'm quite far behind. My cat. You must have got used to that. Though. <laughs> yeah, but I think lane eight is a bit different because just you're so far out. But you know you have to you have to run with the with the, with the draw of the die. You can't say because this wasn't like this, I wouldn't run like this. You know, I mean, how many other races will be changed if people had yeah, of course, run yeah. their preferred lane? Yeah, and also you don't know what then happens. Maybe you had you would could have got a different it would have semi. Knock on effect yeah. on something. The semi final three was ridiculously fast. Everyone yeah. went over fifty seconds. Exactly. Didn't they? So exactly, you, you may have got that one. Yeah. Um, so pretty good all rounds. Two thousand and eight mm-hmm. again in the relay. You got a back. Yeah, the relay was tough. Yeah, I I really feel for the girls in the relay. It was tough, but I think we just realised that no matter how many world champs medals we win, we can never win an Olympic medal. And I think that was quite um, heartbreaking. I know that's quite a dramatic word, but it really was. It really was frustrating that we can win world champs, but the one time that, that I think we, the team, as a team, we needed that medal. I think a lot, some of the girls didn't run well at the games, and they just, they just this would have been a nice thing to kind of brought everyone together. Yeah, um, twenty twelve was just such a um, intense time, and when you have intense times, people flare up. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have, you know, I think that would have been nice, and everyone else just seems to just gets the better of us at Olympics I don't know, I don't know what well I think is. well what happens is you get beaten by drug cheats that's, that's, well, yeah, that's that. actually what's happened I'm <coughs> going through this we yesterday I was it. actually shocked that you hadn't got that bronze in 2012 because um, Russia did get disqualified which put you fourth but then Ukraine are still in there they got mm. upgraded to, to the bronze the Ukraine's got two drug cheats in, the, in their team in, in that team yeah in that team sorry I don't yeah. really follow so, yeah, um, well, I think I only recently got in a, 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 my diploma in my fourth place diploma in the post <laughs> so I, I assume that's here to stay I think we're going to get any further than that but I, I just think it would have been a nice end to the games to have meddled but you know at the same time okay we now know after the fact that Russia cheated but I, I, I think at the time you just said well these guys step up you know when they need to, and we just need to run a bit quicker next time. Yeah, but you can only do what you can exactly, do. You, you know? Exactly. Um, question from um, Lorraine O twenty four, Lorraine O'Connor from, from <laughs> Hi, Twitter. Lorraine. She said, "Did you visit all the schools in Newham, which yeah. you talked about um, doing post twenty twelve? Um, and what are your views on the Olympic legacy in the area?" Yeah, so um, I decided to do that because I just think, you know, everybody, you know, Olympics packed up and left. And I was one of the ones still in New Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody took everything um, in the cameras and <laughs> all their shiny medals. And, you know, I was one of the ones that were left because, you know, it's my home. It's not, I wasn't going anywhere. After the games, I jumped in a cab five minutes up the road, I was home. <laughs> That's just so weird. It was like, very yeah. weird. No plane to catch, <laughs> no train to catch. I just jumped in a taxi in five, ten minutes. I was. I was home and it just bothered me a little bit 
because I, I kind of know the story by now and you know um, everything's very very nice new and shiny for a while then after after some time you know things begin to lose their novelty and and I was just really concerned that um, that um, Islam will be forgotten <clears throat> or would only start catering to certain factions of society and I really just wanted to go out to these schools and let them know that you know the legacy as much as kind of someone's going to be bestowed upon you you still have to make sure that you do your bit you go out and you learn from us guys you go and you know understand what it's like to be at the games understand what the history that we've put on for you you understand that and 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 it's really trying to get the schools to know that you have a part to play don't think that you know someone's going to come and do everything you go and inspire your children and you know you have so much at your disposal you have the brilliant stadium you have everything you have all the memories you guys live it on your doorstep so take full advantage of that that was really what I was trying to do and I just think it was nice to reconnect with the kids a lot of them had watched the games but never got a chance to go didn't get tickets a lot of people didn't get tickets in London Um, you know probably never get a chance to see a medal even though it's literally on their doorstep they didn't get a chance to enjoy it as many millions of others did so I think it was just for me to let them know that listen you're not forgetting you guys I tried to get for as many as possible, but I can't clone myself. <laughs> and so I was doing maybe, what, about five schools a week? Maybe three, between three and five. It was a lot. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, I tried to do two in a day, but it was a lot. So I'm working on something else now to try and bring all the schools together so I don't have to visit everyone because it was, <laughs> it's a lot of time. And I'm there for maybe an hour plus because I do want to talk to them. I love yeah. talking to kids. I mean, I'm from a big family, so... Um, I, I'm, I've still got them in my mind I still try and visit every now and again but with a degree it's a bit hard but um, they're always at the back of my mind and it's nice when you see the kids that are older and like oh you came to my school you came to my school um, but it's just a personal project of mine and um, I do have high hopes for East London um, and it's really just about making sure that these kids understand that they are part of a community you haven't been left out you are you know the bricks and mortar of East London and I want them to feel that because I think after a while people kind of think the great thing about the games is that it, it showed us the stories many different stories of athletes and their journeys but and you know their journeys and their successes but I think for a lot of people they're thinking well um, I can't do that you know that's these guys train six days a week I can't I'm not going to do that I remember there was one time just before the games um, we were in Westfields and it was a UKA gig to try and get people involved in the game. I think it was leading up to the, I think one of the Grand Prix or something. And they tried to, you know, one of them kind of public schemes they do to get public involved. Yeah. I remember um, I was I was with uh, one of the coaches, and one of the coaches, you know, because he was uh, he was really engaging, and he went to one of the guys. It was me and another athlete, and he went to one of the guys, one of the pub members of public. And he was like, oh, you know who this girl is? It's important to me. She's like, Phew. and I think he said, no, I think she said, no, I think he said, oh, you know, the Olympics is coming to London. Do you know who these guys are? Olympics come to London. Like, we don't care about the Olympics. And I could actually resonate with them in the sense that they're saying, well, what's it going to do for yeah. us? We've still got bills to pay. You guys are just going to come and do your thing. And us little people are going to be forgotten. It's not doing anything for us. Yeah. So, and I worry that this message is kind of be 
passed because she had kids with her. This woman had kids with her, and I'm thinking these negative images of the girls going to pass through the kids. So if we can get these kids to still, you know, tell their parents that no, we can do something. I want to go to the swimming pool. I want to go to the stadium. I want to go here. I want to do this. I want to do that. You hopefully would try and sway their parents who do have those negative views. Like you know, what's it going to do for us? You know, you're only catering to the whatever, whatever, whatever. You don't really care about us, little people. So I think it's really important that we get the kids engaged so that they do in turn engage their parents and they do understand that it's, you can make this as big and as engaging as you want it to be not just you know don't just sit and wait for people to come and give things to you yeah. you go out and make it what you want so I think that's kind of what was in my mind I mean, it did occur to me that as the reigning champion on a home games literally on your doorstep yeah. in the run up to it yeah. did you feel kind of maybe slightly underutilised I feel like <laughs> the, 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 the face of the games was Jess and Mo etc yeah. and we didn't really hear a lot from you at the time what were your thoughts that was on that? tough I mean I did feel that I did feel that a lot but um, it's not really something I've really looked too much into but I did feel there was something quite amiss going on um, I couldn't really say what it was but it was frustrating because um, the streets of East London were mine yeah do you understand I had shopkeepers Christine you've put us on the map blah blah blah, blah. people that I've seen you know watch me play in the parks the shops that are around my home, you know, um, I've gone and <clears throat> seen them every now and again and they're just really proud. And they're like, Christine, why are you not on a poster? Where are you? What happened? We want to see our girl. We want to see our East London. And that was tough because I just thought, well, I'm not going to... Unfortunately, I'm the kind of person I don't tend to blow my own trumpet yeah. enough. But that's that's fine. It's just how I work. I'm not the one... I don't like a lot of noise. I just like to just work. I can't imagine you have, like, PR departments and <laughs> publicists and... Like, no, yeah. I mean... Me and Lloyd, we just roll solo. Yeah, we yeah. just work. We just we enjoy what we're doing, and for us, it's about the sport. It's about turning up to training, having a laugh, you know, finishing the session, bleeding, <laughs> bleeding, coughing up blood, but saying, you know what, good job, coach. I'll see you tomorrow. That's us. That's how we've always been. Um, so it was a little bit, but I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I'm not sure what to. Have, done in response to that but at the same time I thought well it's fine for me because it just gives me a chance to just knuckle down and work and um, you know you just go and let your feet do the talking yeah. and that, that's kind of how it's always been and if you remember if we go back to the time of the, uh, the suspension I wasn't really feeling in love anyway to be honest yeah. so it was like you know what guys you do what you're doing I'm coming for a medal so I just focus on that you guys you know you focus on what you're doing and I just make sure that me and mine are okay Um. Moving on to the next year, which, whilst you had all this success up to this yeah. point, to me, this is your greatest moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's a youthful as well, but this is 2013. Yeah. Um, you win the World Championships again. Yeah. You beat the British record. Yeah. For the first time. I think people have kind of assumed yeah, you had it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, your fastest time ever. And it wasn't just that. It was the manner in which you did it. I mean, you literally left it till... I know. It wasn't even the last stride it was like the last inch um how do you feel about that race to me it's my to me it's the my, mm. my favorite finest Christina Hardy moment yeah I'm I'm really proud of that <laughs> I'm not just because of um because not just because of the red I just think probably because of my um my kind of disposition going up into the race I think I was you know I worked it was a training the physical side we took care of very well Lloyd was very very good and I think it really did help that I had the Olympics the year before that so almost like you're rolling yeah you have a rolling year so you start the season very very um 
kind of uh, focused and we knew what we were doing. I, I think after 2012, I was feeling a bit, mm, I'm not sure how much longer I can keep doing this. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do something, I think it's now probably the best time because these moments don't come around all the time. They don't. And I know from my experience, of, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008, it helps to have rolling years and um, where you kind of, kind of it's, it's fresh in your memory. It's very, very fresh how you run, how, how it feels, all that kind of stuff. So we kind of knew that, okay, if this is going to be the time to work, it has to be now. We have to use this opportunity. I'm fit, I'm healthy. I got my confidence back. Um, so uh, that, but that, that year, the thing is, that year was a bit of a weird year because I don't think I started the year thinking I was going to, you know, do anything. I, I think I was still thinking I wanted to retire <laughs> beginning <laughs> of the season, like end of 2012. I was like, oh, this is long. Um, but I think it was only when we got to warm weather, um, like March time, and then training was just on point. Yeah. Training was on point. I mean, the sessions I, I was doing, I was like, it kind of makes my eyes water now. I just think there's no way I could do that now. And, you know, train. I have that diary. That's like my blueprint. <laughs> that's the that's like my my blueprint for 400 meter running. Um, if you wanna ask me about it, you might have to pay. But, <laughs> no, but um, that was that was a. Uh, Best training ever. I mean, I, I can't even... The stuff we did, like I literally would lift heavy in the morning, lift heavy, and then I'll go and run a heavy running session afterwards. There's, I tried to do that format again, and my body just... My body wasn't quite the same. But, yeah, it was, it was, training was very, very good. Mental, my mental preparation was very, very good. Again, working with a psychologist, and we literally just ran the race from my head every week. Every week, a couple of times a week. We just go through the race, go through the race, go through the race. We worked out every kind of kink, every sticking point. If this happens, if that happens, everything. And when we talk about visualisation, that was literally just sitting there, running through the race. And the funny thing was, I was actually disappointed after uh, winning the medal because um, when we'd run the race in my head, I brought the clock always up to 49.2. <laughs> so I, I thought, I thought I, I, I was, you know, but it's okay, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, I'm not knocking the performance. But... Um, yeah, it was good. I remember when we were in the cool, not the cool room. We were in the cool room, but when we came out to the track, we, we, where we started was the the first bend. That's where they kind of had us position, waiting. And they had us waiting there for a while. I remember thinking, like, I'm scared, but I'm so ready for this. And I'd seen it. Like, I wasn't scared because I'd run it through my mind so many times. Like, I'd already gone through the nerve. So all that was left for me to do was just turn up and run. And so it's funny, when I was coming off the top bend, um, that's exactly how I'd seen it. I knew she was going to be there. I knew it. But in the end, I thought, you know what? You have to catch this girl because that's how it happens. That's how it happened in your mind. You have to catch her. So even though it looks very etchy, sketchy on TV, it looks like I'm not going to do it. In my head, I knew I was safe. I knew I was 100% safe. I knew it. That's so interesting you say that because I, I was there. I was completely fine. Obviously, I was there. We were right on the finish line. Yeah. And when you crossed the line, I had Absolutely, I knew no won. doubt you'd won. I, I knew, I, I knew won. I'd won because in my head, that's how it happened. Can sack my sort psychologist. Um, but when you're I running mean, like that, which is like became your sort of trademark, yeah. um, we always think, oh, she's coming on strong at the end. But yeah. we, we, you weren't trying to win by inches. I mean, presumably you would have no, preferred to win no. by 10 metres. Like, this is from Mr. Henry G. Um, it's George Davidson on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He says, experts and commentators, um, let me name no names, always talked about your surge at the end of the race. Uh-huh. But I felt it was like you ran flat and even, staying cool. Did you surge and accelerate in the last 80, or just stay cool and run even, eating up those, those others that were falling apart? It's exactly that. And I think it looks 
great on TV, but it's actually very, very simple. You just run your pace. It's not, my pace isn't to go off too quick. Yeah. That's not what I do. It's not how I've trained. And um, I like to stick with a formula that works. Some girls like to go off quicker. That's up to them. But it just makes me look really slow, but I'm not. And if you actually, someone broke down the splits, and my splits, the, the, the key to on a good 400 is um, to try and minimise the differential yeah, so kind between of the splits. So um, you don't. You can go out and run twenty two seconds for the first two, and then come home in thirty. Privish what good is that? Yeah. What What good is that? It's painful, <laughs> and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, yeah. <laughs> but also, you're not in control of yourself. Yeah. You're not in control yeah, yeah. of. You just. It's just panic running. So, and I think my splits are pretty even. It's just that it doesn't look like that. It looks like I'm getting quicker. You cannot get quicker <laughs> in a four hundred. Yeah. It's just. I wouldn't say it's physically impossible, but that's probably the hardest way of running a four hundred. Um, so no, it's not a surge. It's more just running to your rhythm and your pace, not being distracted by other the pace that other people want to run. And that's up to them. They run how they feel that they can run. And then um, you just try and keep it together. The home straight, the last 50, you just try and keep it together, even though everything is burning and wants to fall off. But that's... And also, I think I have a very good... Because um, I see it in my sister as well. Um, very good uh, tolerance for... Pain. <laughs> <laughs> We're, me and my sister are strength based athletes. Yeah. That's, um, you know, we can do reps and reps and reps and not drop off in time. That's just something that we're born with, I suppose. The, um, we're like metronomes. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had another question from um, Statman John, John Mulkeen, I'm sure, okay. sure you know. He said, um, You never seem to chase times and would simply do what was needed to win. Um, had Moncho run 49 in Moscow, yeah. um, could you have gone sub 49 um, if that's what was required for gold? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, I, 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 I don't study my competitors very well. I don't study them. What I do study is I'm very good at judging pace in a yeah. race. I'm very good at that. I can get a sense of what's happening in a race and I can adjust or I don't think adjust is the right word, but be mindful of what I need to do further on in the line. So it's almost like I, I understand their pace and I just log it. I just log in and I say, fine, okay, this one is here. It's weird because you're also running and focusing on yourself. Yeah, because you're running your own waist, but at the same time, exactly, aware of what's else is You have on. to almost just have a, like a, just a, a keen glance of what's going on. Um, so you're always quite, um, I'm quite sensitive in that respect. I've always noticed that when I run with other people, I'm not too fussed about how quick they've gone up because I always know that I can try and adjust when I need to. So, I mean, who knows? I'm, uh, who knows? Um, I know I timed it very well. Maybe if she'd gone a quicker, I would have adjusted as well. Um, people like watching the final races, but I like the semi-finals. Yes. Those are the races because those are those are um, races where their margins, uh, kind of the meters between me and the lead. But for somehow, somehow, I'm able to. Um, run in a way that's completely relaxed and I can win off that I can win a, a, a race off that I think the final's always a little bit different because that's just like gun to take madness yeah. but you know I think I've shown myself the reason I can do that in the final because I can show myself in the rounds I can adjust no matter what the distance is I'm quite cool quite cool <laughs> I'm quite good at adjusting and knowing how to get the time despite who's in front yeah. so that's why I can do what I do in the final 
So that's yeah. So the the semis are a precursor to what can actually do in the final. Um, now, 2014 was kind of an off year-ish. Yeah. I remember seeing you at the Europeans. Yeah. Um, and you kind of flattered to deceive a bit because we were like, I think it was in the first round of the semi, you ran really well. And we yeah. saw you in between. And we were like, oh, it's coming. You're, you're coming. You're going to do it. And yeah, you said to us, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, no, you are. You know, yeah, you're like, no, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah. You say. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, I, we, I can look back on it now and say, you know, 2013 took a lot out of yeah. me. Um, just not just physically mentally it's, it's hard to be on that kind of grind um, by that point I already had many years doing a 400 um, I think it's just you need some time to kind of simmer also I know it's probably not a big I think I turned 13 that year did I turn 30? Uh, 2014 yeah yeah I turned 30 that year so it's just a lot of things you're trying to re- re- reevaluate your life and where am I going am I going to keep doing this and keep battering myself and do you know what I mean just trying to put things in place Like I, I training wasn't as on point as it was but I think at the same time I needed some time you need time to let the body to come yeah. down I think running a PB especially at the level and the age that I ran it you need to let the body rest the body has to come down so you can <laughs> go back and beat it up again Chez is Le Petit Cochon um, she says do you regret not aiming for a European title since it's the only one you didn't win yeah um, not really regret I think um, you almost have to just play the cards you've been given and Euros was never something that we went for. We couldn't. Yeah. It was never at the right time. It wasn't. No, I've been looking it into this. There isn't the actually right a time, time when it. And could I have... wasn't training for Euros. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't find the time to train for Euros. Euros is kind of just like a stopgap. See how you're doing. But also, you were, you were suspended once. You were injured once. The one was a Europeans. This year was kind of your year off. So it's yeah, like they, they didn't fall in. It wasn't. Good. It wasn't something that I was able to get myself really up for and I don't there's nothing wrong with that I just think you have to um, pick your battles sometimes yeah. and knowing you know I go I've, I don't know if it's unfortunate but when I work it's an intensity that is unmatched for anything else and you can't do that every year I can't it's not you know it's not um, it's just the way that I work it's just the way that I, I'm wired I don't, I don't always like that I don't like the fact that I can be so hell bent on one thing that I can't diversified but it just seems to be the way that I've decided my sport needs to you know where my point needs to be treated so no Europeans has never just been a one thing that we focused on and it was the thing is we never really chased medals so much um I know this you say it sounds weird I know but we never we just kind of getting through the what's next year yeah and we know the ones on the cars are worlds and, and olympics those are the ones we are have we've pinpointed highlighted underlined emboldened <laughs> those are the ones um, and then we'll try and fit everything else around it as, as we need be I think 2015 is a really interesting you sure? one you think one of your best races ever was the semi-final mm. in 2015 where you ran brilliantly you mm-hmm. ran like a was it 50 dead 50 um, something yeah um, in the semi-final mm-hmm. which made us think oh it's on it's on and then I actually have a very interesting question about the next okay. literally the next okay. round 2015 okay. yeah. the final um, yeah. you're in it there's also Alison Felix mm-hmm. etc um, the question is this is from um, S.A. Pryor our good friend Stephen Pryor okay. and he said after the semi-final it looked like you were rounding into sub 54 mm. her final split showed that she probably ran the opening 200 and possibly the second 200 in particular too fast mm. was she conscious of this during the race and did she feel she missed a medal because of it okay. um, this is also followed up by um, PJ Vazell who asks 
Also, how did Alison's crazy pace affect her own race? Okay. So I think we all saw it at the time. Alison went off crazy fast yeah. and you seemed to follow, which yeah. isn't your usual plan. Yeah. Is that actually what happened? It's a proverb that says you, you don't look at where you fall, you look at where you slipped. Right. I almost think that, um, that the writing was on the wall from before. I think if I look at how I am usually and mentally, I think I was, it was a little bit off. And I think I got to the final probably a little bit out of my wavelength like I wasn't really operating on I was anxious I'm never really anxious um, probably a little bit unfocused maybe maybe, maybe the round I think possibly the semi-final got me a little bit too out <laughs> we went so well in the semi-final it was like and, uh, I remember you know the, I, I was a, and that was a brilliant run and maybe that's kind of gave me too much confidence because right. that that was a sweet I remember coming up thinking oh my gosh that was like the easiest easiest 50 I wasn't even out of breath the easiest 50 point ever ever and I hadn't even run anything close to that for how many years um, so I'm not sure whether it was too much and, and I just think I just think I just lost focus yeah. so uh, with regards to Alice and Felix's pace what Alice and Felix did was no different <laughs> to what anyone else does to me I mean it's, it always happens either it's uh, Tasha Hastings who's gone off um, whoever's, I don't know if they did deliberately just to try and rattle <laughs> me but yeah I think it was possibly it was a, that was my, I never make an error I never make an error I don't make an error in my, in my event but I always think that the error happened because my mind wasn't as focused as it should have been and I think those are the kind of things as athletes you really have to look honestly at when something doesn't quite work out how it's supposed to um, you have to look at really what was your uh, mental approach and it, do, it doesn't look very pretty sometimes if you say, you know, I wasn't, you know, maybe I was a bit nervous, I was this, I was this. And I, but that's kind of what I had to do because that was very unlike me. And I had to see what, what was, you know, was I relying too much on my strength? Why did I change something that I do so well? I never follow anyone else's pace. I mean, that's kind of how I've made my mark. I just do my own thing, <laughs> head in the clouds, you know, wake up last 50. Um <laughs> Yeah, but I just think I, I, well, I had. To, it took me a long time to go back, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, I haven't said this before, but I think that actually kind of really, I lost a lot of confidence from right. that race because I don't make mistakes, and then I think when I knew that I could, things weren't in place as they should have been. I think that um, really kind of knocked me a little bit. I kind of lost a lot of confidence. The thing is, I ran well in the relay, didn't we? Well, we've got a bronze medal in the in the relay, um, as always. At this point, go it will it's retroactive. So obviously, yeah. some of these medals we've spoken before about how you didn't get them at the time. But it turns out by the end of your career, you'd actually got um, a medal at the World Championships relay every year, mm. two thousand and five to 2015 yeah so I do know 5, that. 7, 9, <laughs> 11, 13 and 15 mm. for the middle interestingly and this shows you said you're not to get the confidence and obviously you, mm. you were coming up to retirement pretty soon after that but the relay team in 2015 is a totally new relay team apart from you so um, you've been constant in that team since 2004 um, in yes. 2015 <laughs> it's, it's um, yourself Ailey um, um, Anika and Sarah and Bundy Davis yes yes um, yes I remember yes. you've been there for for all of that time, that, that, yeah, 2004. Literally. 2016, you, you didn't do the... Did you do the individual? I did, I got did. the individual. Yeah. Um, I think... No, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird one. Um, as I said, I don't really do very well with noise. I'm trained, compete. That's, you know, literally, I'm in a cocoon. Um, I, I don't take 
anything <laughs> from the outside. I literally just work. I just sometimes wonder if, obviously with the selection going into the games, I think that bothered me a lot because I just felt it was really as things typically tend to <laughs> as it typically tend to follow it was it wasn't kind of straight cut it was almost like Christine had been given a um given a, a place on the team she didn't deserve it and I was like guys I run three rounds please um so I think that knocked me a little bit that wasn't that wasn't nice you know everything I've been you know through in life I've, I've earned everything do you understand yeah. I've earned everything I don't like people giving me stuff I don't ask for nothing <laughs> So yeah, that really bothered me a little bit and I just think, I don't know, I got to the games and I was just really flat and tired and I just thought, oh, I think that everything was just really kind of wearing me out. So at this point you were kind of, uh, you'd come to the realisation you were going to be retiring Yeah, I think soon, it yeah. was hitting me. The training was not as it needed. I think I was trying too hard. I think I, um, I think probably what a, a good, uh, 26 is probably a good ex- illustration of possibly... Um, Different, there's a difference there's a huge difference I found between doing more and doing too much right. I know it doesn't sound like it's much but it's a huge difference and that translates a lot in your in your training I think I was trying too much uh, as I said uh, mentioned earlier about my 2013 notebook which I kind of carried everywhere with me following you know my British British record race um, and I think I thought everything had to be just like that yeah. and you want to raise the stakes and run quicker and everything has to be perfect 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 and I think that's kind of probably what pushed me over the edge I think it was you, n- nothing in 400 is ever perfect even the years where I ran the British record it wasn't perfect when I ran the British um, so when I won in 08 it wasn't a perfect year nothing was ever perfect but the thing is we took a lot of comfort in the fact it wasn't perfect yes. and that was very calming for us so why I thought everything had to be perfect to run well is a bit weird. <laughs> um, but the cu- next year, 2017, of course, yeah. was going to be in London. So was that in the back of your mind that you were going to stick yeah, around I for, really for that? Yeah, I really wanted to. Yeah, I really wanted to try and make it to London. But I don't know. I think, I think in my quest for perfection, I kind of just squeezed a little bit too hard. Right, sure. And I was exhausted. I was burnt out. I was so tired. <laughs> But you had an amazing so career by this point. I mean, it's like yeah, it's not I like know, you have. It's not like you're one of those athletes who look back and think, "I, I wish," I or know. you know, you didn't quite fulfil your potential. But I'm upset that I spoiled something that I know to do properly. But I just think when it's almost like um, when, as, as I keep saying, I'm very, very focused. But I think when you start allowing yourself to kind of look around, that's when you start messing up the work you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. The minute you take your eyes off, it goes like this. Right. So it's all turning, it's all moving, but it's just a mess. And I always think that's what it's like with me. If I don't keep my eyes completely focused on what I'm doing, and I start looking around, I get distracted. And you know, what about this person? This person, I should be doing this. I should be here. I should be this and this. And you think about retirement. You think about this. And I just think you, you tend to kind of squeeze a bit too hard. 2017 was when I decided I was going to go into law. Yeah. And but that excited me. That was like the best thing for me because I was. Do you know, like track wasn't kind of that kind of excitement anymore. I mean, I loved it. But do you know you have something to just kind of just wake you up? You, you've been doing it a long time. You needed something I, new at this exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah? So um, I, I signed up for the degree in September. Well, I, si- I signed up. Then I uh, started in September. And then um, I think in the summer of 2017, I was like, you know what? Maybe that's what I need to help <laughs> reinvigorate my track career is just to do something else. So even though I know I keep talking about being distracted, but I think this is like a focus. This hopefully will complement each other like it did when I first started running way back when. Um, the two will kind of balance each other out. 
So I thought, okay, I can study and train at the same time. So I did that for a while. I was studying. So the summer of, so the winter of 2017, I studied and I trained. And it was nice. It was a nice balance. But then I think um, we got to 2018 and then warm weather kind of was kicking in. And I was thinking, I've got a hell of a lot of exams. (laughs) (laughs) This is really hard. (laughs) And I just realized that at that point, I was like, Chris, I understand you want to study, but the way I work, it's almost like the the, the, the um, studying and the track, they weren't really complementing each other. It was like having, like, and this sounds really odd, but it was like having two snarling bulldogs in my head all the time. Like, everyone is trying to, each trying to get dominance over the other. That's what it was like. It's like the degree wanted to take centre stage, then the track wanted to take centre stage because I wasn't doing enough training, and then I wasn't doing enough studying, and then I wasn't doing enough training. And it was just constant fighting yeah. <laughs> and you get guilty for not doing one and, and yeah, so you feel guilty for not doing the training and, and I'm not doing enough hours at the gym and I should be at the gym and I should be doing it because my 2013 book says I should be at the gym <laughs> so it was just constant battle and then I, was, I got injured and the thing is these are not big injuries but because I wasn't having the time to rehab it um, because um, usually when we get injured you go straight to the physio, get a scan. The physios jump on it, make sure you know you maybe have three, four hours of treatment. I couldn't do that with a degree. Yeah. I mean, I'd be lucky if I got half an hour. <laughs> At this point, I think life's telling you that it's exactly. probably, probably and I think, time and to, it, it was stop. it wasn't too bad because I was really happy with the choice of degree I was doing, and I think it was nice to almost feel like you were being pushed out rather than. Um, was trying to hang on and be yeah. dragged out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You made it on your own terms. You? Yeah, and I, I, I came, it kind of came to a natural conclusion where I thought, you know what, Chris, you're really enjoying what you're doing now, and really and truly for you to actually pass your degree, you need to give it a bit more work. <laughs> you can't keep doing this tug of war with track and studying and trying to please both parties at the same time. You've got to do one. And I think also because of the, the level of intensity in which I work, um, the studies can complement training, but I think when I did it when I was a kid... Um, it was different I didn't, I didn't know what I could do so I just was just flying by the seat of my pants I didn't really care too much but when you know now what you expect from both you expect completely high centers all the time and I think that kind of takes its toll right, yeah. so that was what was different because everyone's like but you studied and trained before why is it different now but um, it's very different because you know what you expect of yourself and those standards are always there reminding you <laughs> that you're somehow falling short so whilst you didn't um, do the Worlds in 2017, mm-hmm. you still managed to get quite a few medals from that championship. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that she put I in- got them in my jeans. <laughs> <laughs> but they instituted, which I think is a really nice policy, yeah. of um, people getting upgraded medals at, at the championships <laughs> on a podium. Yeah. And you were given um, upgrades from so, 2009, 2011 and 2013. So it's two yeah, bronzes I, I and a silver. I was there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> And somewhere along the line, you also got an upgraded from 2008, uh, I think. Yeah, so 2008 was uh, yeah. this year. Is that this year? This okay. Year, yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about those upgraded medals? It's a bit weird. I don't really know what to... I mean, it's... Um, I don't know. It's just so frustrating because you kind of think, guys, over 10 years, you know, someone knew something. Yeah. Someone knew something. And, you, okay, take away the... the, the um, Take away the kind of the trappings that come with a medal. Just take away that for the minute. Just the fact that you've crossed that line and you've known you've 
done a good job and that good job has earned your team a medal just just that feeling alone is sometimes really what it's about yeah. just crossing the line knowing that we've done it and you can't you don't get that being on a podium getting your medal 15 years later um, and it means so much the medal is just a manifestation of what happened but just to have it at that time to be recognised by everybody that you're you're um, you know that you're deserving of, of your achievement and um, you did a good job um, to be robbed of that is something that it's really quite unpalatable yeah. but at the same time I'm kind of happy because I always maintain that you know it will come out eventually maybe it will take as anything anything that's hidden it will come to the light eventually so I've always lived by that so in the end I'm kind of happy that we could say listen guys it took 10 years but they still found it you. happened yeah so if anybody wants to start dabbling and messing around you might be alright for this year or next year or the year after that but just be sure somewhere down the line a system will catch you yeah so I suppose it's, it's good and bad um, in both but it just felt really weird but the same okay another at the same time and, and that's the fact that you know we were at home yeah and um, it, it was nice to have that and, and, and it was nice for the you know um, Nicola had uh, her son and Lee had her children um, and it was just nice to see where we're at like 10 years yeah, after yeah. the fact and it was just a nice reminder sometimes you do need those nice reminders of what you have done and because um, life does take over tomorrow you'll be forgotten <laughs> nobody will remember but life has had a way of taking over and you kind of do forget what you did and how good you were so it was nice to kind of us to come together and end up, you know we did a good job it wasn't recognised then but it's nice at that moment to remember that we did good and it's a big change from what used to happen just a couple of years back where you'd either get your medal in the post or give it yeah. in the car park or something <laughs> so at least they made an effort yeah. those days Chris Brown Sport was asking mm. of all the relay medals you won over your career which are you most proud of? oh that's a tough one Especially seeing some are retroactive. Yeah, and also <laughs> you, you can't actually remember. I've been telling you, <laughs> telling you something here. You went, oh, did you that? We did that. Is it one that sticks no, out? No, I enjoy. I 2007. I enjoyed. I really did. Um, you know, to 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 know that you have gold and silver running on a team. I mean, that's that doesn't happen, and it hasn't happened since. Yeah, hasn't happened in any relay since then. And 2005, I think, was special because that's the first time in a long time. I mean, that medal meant. So much to us. Yeah, Britain hadn't won a world or Olympic medal since mm. 1993 at that point. So it was exactly. 12, 13, so, 94. Yeah. Um, I think indoors. 2008 was fun because we had a heptathlete and an 800 yeah. meter runner. Yeah. And you still, <laughs> eventually, you, you end up with a medal. So. Yeah, um, the indoors were fun. I always tend to forget the indoors. Yeah. The indoors were a lot of fun. I can tell you, you were so excited, more, more than any other race. So at, much at fun. And everybody was just. As nervous as we were, we all just were, we couldn't wait. <laughs> and no matter what anybody had done in training, no matter where they were, they, everybody was like, you know what, I don't care if I'm not race weight, I'm going to run well. I don't care if I haven't trained, you know, properly, you know, we're going to run well. So it, everybody just came with a kind of, we're just a motley crew of 500 meter runners, not quite, you know, sharp, but we all still had fun. Perryman Jack, or Jack Perryman as we know, uh-huh. he says, um, you're, you're his favourite athlete bar none. Oh, thank you. Well, um, who was your best friend in the GB team, and who did you get on best on the circuit outside of the British camp? Oh, okay. So I think the first one is a little second question. Um, lovely Williams Mills. Oh, great. Yeah, we've been running together since 2007. Um, I'm not quite sure how we kind of banded together. I'm not sure, but 
there was one time on the circuit where we'd both be competing and we ha- I don't know how this happened I really don't know how this happened but um, no matter we w- we'd always be competing against each other but no matter um, who won the race we'd always do our warm down together we'd always do our jog down and if I'd won I'd commiserate with her <laughs> and if she'd won she'd commiserate with me or you know she'd finish higher up or whatever and that was nice I don't know how we ended up doing that but we just kind of just synced and even though she's retired we still chat if I go to Florida I still catch up with her um, so that was nice um, there's many many other people that I'm good friends with and it's nice I think it's nice I don't think I have any enemies on there honestly I don't think I've had a sharp word with any other athlete globally who was your best, nice. who was your friend, best friend in the British um, team best friend I got with most people Annika was a lot of fun <laughs> um, we have so many funny stupid stories <laughs> of stuff we used to get up to um, yeah but I just think it was just it was just a pleasure to be on the team before I retired I was one of the older ones and that felt a bit weird because I come and see when we one of the youngest um, but it's nice I mean these are friendships you make for life aren't they and that's good and they always say no matter where I go in the world I've always got someone I can call and say, listen, I'm here, come and, you know, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to find so much to do. Wherever I go, wherever I go in the world, I can always ring up and find someone um, that I know. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I have a question here from um, Sofa So Bad. Are you still um, planning on becoming a barrister? And what <coughs> kind of law is it you'd like to practice? I think the barrister or the solicitor, as of now, I'm not entirely sure which direction, yeah. but one of them. I was very much in favour of doing the bar, but then I did some work at solicitors firms and I kind of like the look at that as well so I think the best thing for me now is just to um, let let me be guided by my skill set I just thought let me just take my time and just it will come to me I'll probably just apply to both limbs and then just figure it out but I've really been it's been a real enlightening experience meeting different barristers and lawyers and judges and you know and and the same passion I, 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 I talk with about my sport you know the same passion I have for my sport they have for their job and I love seeing I love seeing people who are passionate about what they do even if you're just cleaning the roads if you're just happy doing what you're doing it's it's so warming that people really love doing what they're doing and that's what we should strive for so I'm not sure because both both camps have sold me a good right. <laughs> they, <laughs> they want sold you. me a good tale but um, but I'm still I'm going to be in it for the long run whichever way I'm I'm not sure. And is there a particular type of law you're looking to go into? No, again, I've decided to try and stay completely open because, again, you have to be guided by your skills. You might think, oh, I want to do crime, but then you go and... It's tax. And you don't like it. You know, you you don't... It doesn't work for you. So I think it's best not to become too um, sold in a particular idea in case you realise that, actually, I can't do this very well. Do you know what your nickname is in athletics sir. my nickname yeah in athletics hmm. do I have one yeah <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 all of us, to all of us big fans I have a nickname for a long long time you've been known by a nickname do you know what that nickname is no so it's TBO 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 do you know what that means or what it stands for oh my gosh no that sounds pretty ominous what is it it stands for the big O and the reason you were called the big O is two reasons. First, it's because no one could spell a horogu. So people would put TBO instead. But also, it stands for the big occasion. And you would oh, always nice. rise to the big occasion. More yeah. than any athlete I can remember. Mm. That's why we always had so much faith in you. And oh, thank you. 
something again I'm, I don't think maybe you are aware of I don't think you understand just how loved you are oh don't by, no quiet. seriously <laughs> I don't think you understand just yeah, how loved I mean, you are it's, it's now I can I can see it but I suppose at the time it's just, it's just work it's just work we just you know and I kind of wish I'd embraced a bit more but I, I just think you know you kind of the product of your environment your circumstances and so I, I kind of you know I had to use the best way I knew how to keep myself in track and I'm happy that I had you know 15 years to 400 it's a brutal event so people get five years some you know so I'm happy that I was able to last as long as I did and I have enjoyed it I have I look back and it has been crazy but I don't think I would have changed anything I mean I think I say that because I'm stubborn <laughs> and I know that everything I did at the right time was the right thing to do so I'm just too stubborn like that but yeah it was good it was it was it's been fun We'd like to say just a huge, huge thank you for coming on our podcast, <laughs> for all the great, great times you've given us over oh, the years, thank you. for all the money we won, <laughs> betting on you. Um, and you As are. I said, if I eat well, you guys should eat well. <laughs> but you are Putin's all time most successful female athlete. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that's that, a fact. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you're super cool. Thank you so much for coming on the Backstreet Boys. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. This has been very healing and. You know, you guys have probably got the biggest scoop on me that I've ever done in my life. So well done. Cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that was cool. That take two. Take two. <laughs> okay. Take two. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. Yeah! <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that, and I hope you did too. Don't forget to subscribe to the Backstreet Boys so you get other content like that. Thanks ever so much, and we will speak to you very, very soon. Bye bye.